Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you folks. With me as always, my friend, my co-host, Stephanie Wesco. And Stephanie, and uh, another great morning. What's the weather like out there in Indiana? Well, good morning, Doug. It is it is heaven on earth, weather-wise here. Um, it is 76 degrees, sun shining, birds chirping. I hear a lawnmower running outside. I, I heard the birds, yeah. Yeah, it is just, it is lovely. Yeah, that's wonderful news. We and went we went from virtual winter to full fledged summer, but you know that's okay. And our allergies, you know, I'm in I'm in glasses, so no pictures being taken right now. Yeah, but I'm living in glasses because the allergies, you know, and the eye doctor's so nice. He says you're just getting older, and I wanted to slap him. Yeah, but you know, it's like I am not old. So Maybe Stephanie just old. had a birthday. Just uh, yeah. So we. Uh, yeah. We were glad to celebrate with her, even though we don't want them to keep coming. But we, if no, they do come, no, we I have to celebrate. To boycott, but nobody would let me boycott it this year. So yeah, so you anyway. can't you can't boycott that. So we've been, as you know, Stephanie, we've been moving along and looking at a characteristic of PTSD stuff, junk, I should say, that people go through that suffer from PTSD. That, and, and you know, maybe we're going through this. Maybe I think everybody's been through laziness, being lazy, wanting to lay down, complacency, idleness, indifference. Boy, there's so many words. Apathy. There's so many things that we could go on and say. And mm-hmm. you know, it reminds me of Proverbs, something we've already talked about, something we've we've already done. And that's uh, over in Proverbs six: Go to the ant, thou sluggard; consider her ways and be wise. Which having no guide, overseeth a ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. Oh, how long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands and sleep. Uh, so shall the poverty come as one that traveleth, and they want as an armed man, a naughty person, a wicked man walketh with a furred, mean wicked mouth there. He winketh his eyes, he speaketh his feet. But anyway, going on there six, I think it really went... Uh, it really went straight to nine, six, six to six, mm-hmm. nine in the book of Proverbs. And how long are we going to be stuck in this laziness? And, and Stephanie, I, this is a characteristic that, that I suffer from. I mean, is this something where you just want to throw your hands up sometimes and say, I'm done? Yeah. Well, and I think, any, I think human beings with or without PTSD reach that point. Um, but it seems like it becomes more intensive. Um, after you have, especially I would say in more for me, it was, um, I had eight kids. Um, so though internally I battled with this, I had eight kids that I had to feed. I had to, um, I had to function to some extent. And that was such a blessing from God in my life. I'm so grateful that I had kids that needed me because that gave me a reason to get up 
in the morning. You know, I didn't have a choice. You know, Emmy would throw a dirty diaper on my face in the morning and say, mommy, get up. So I didn't have a choice. Um, but this was a huge battle. And this, you know, I think a lot of this, um, there is an idea of trauma takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I do not want to discount. I don't want to say to someone who's been through trauma, get up. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get in your face. You, you may need time to rest and heal. Depending on what your trauma is, there needs to be a rest period. There needs to be that place where you let, you let the gentle shepherd lead you beside the still waters. You let him restore your soul. Yeah. So I'm not discounting that at all, but there comes that point of, of it's time to run your race. And that idea of it's a choice of faith to say, okay, God, maybe you feel like you have your purpose has been taken away from you. Maybe you feel your worth has been taken away from you. Maybe you feel your identity has been stolen from you. And maybe all those things are true to a certain extent. Your But your worth doesn't lie in who you are physically. Okay. And I have to preach this to myself because that's something that was hammered into me um, during those awful years um, that that was where a lot of my worth came. My, my appearance, was it picture perfect? Was it um, what my abusers thought it should be 24 seven? Was I fulfilling their, um, their dream idea? And, and quite honestly, those people, you're never going to make them happy. So give that up right now, because that's a losing battle with all that to say, they build your worth. They want you to think your worth lies in what they think of you. That is not true. Jesus Christ loved you enough to die for you. He loved you enough to take the penalty for your sin and give you the precious gift of eternal life and home in heaven with him. He loved you that much. Your worth to him is indescribable. So no matter what your trauma is, you know, even if you feel worthless, your feelings are lying to you. Go to the word of God and see what your worth is. And then because you know you have worth, you know, Jesus Christ is worthy of your praise, of your devotion, of your service. And because of that, you can get up the, off the couch. You can, by faith, say, today I'm going to run the race God has set before me. I'm going to look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of my faith and look to him for the joy and the strength to do what God's called me to do today. Excellent. That's exactly right. And, 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 and you know, friends, every day is a choice. Every action is a choice, and and we want to make that choice that that gets us serving God, making a difference, uh, being with our family, doing things, getting out, and that was all great examples. Now we're on Proverbs chapter seventeen and verse number twenty four. It says, "Wisdom is before him that have understanding, but the eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth." And uh, so, you know, there's two things going on here again. If you're wise, you know. Wisdom's right there in the sight. You know where it is. You know what to do. You know what wisdom looks like. Wisdom comes from God. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we're seeing that you make a choice, wisdom or God, or fool or folly that comes from the devil. And, and then it goes on and it says, but, but the eyes of the fool, you know, you get this idea when you look at this verse, it says, but the eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth. And uh, so we know that wisdom is right there in front of us. It's something we can choose. Uh, but the contrast is 
The other thing, you know, being a fool, being the other thing is, is like as far as from the earth, we don't see anything there. There's nothing there. It's just a straw man. It's just, it's just a lie. It's a facade. There's nothing that comes with folly. There's nothing that comes with foolishness. But with wisdom, it's right there, and it can make a difference. And, I mean, what are you thinking, Stephanie? No, I think you're spot on. And understanding that God, I like it where it says wisdom is before him. In other words, it's almost like it goes ahead of you and clears away distraction. It clears away, clears away foolishness. It's a protectant. It's almost like I get the idea. You know how the children of Israel had the pillory cloud and the, the cloud of However, I, my brain, my tongue's tangling up, but when they were in the wilderness and God led them and by day, they followed that cloud. Yeah. That fire. Had, yeah. And that idea of wisdom going before them and clearing the way and leading them and guiding them in the right path. That's the idea that I get here of when you go to God and say, help me to understand your word the same way David did. You read Psalm 119. That is the heart of the psalmist crying out for understanding to know God. And when you have, when that's your heart, God's going to go before you. And that's God is wisdom. And so this idea of him, he will be your guide, you be your leadership, he'll be your protector and go before you. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I do too. I, I think just knowing that, just knowing that, hey, you, you know, again, the choices. I know we talk about these often as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, but the, the right choice, the wise choice, it's, uh, it's good for you. It's good for God's yeah. people. It's good for your family. It's, it's right there before you. Uh, when you have God, it's right there. Wisdom is right there. Then it goes on, Stephanie, still in that same vein and that same idea. It says, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. But So we go to this, you know, this foolish person. Uh, parents are going to find a lot of grief in them. <laughs> you know, mom, is yeah. it's going to be grief to dad. It's, it's going to be a bitter thing that a lady holds inside of her that has a, has a kid that turns out to be a knucklehead. And, and sometimes kids are temporarily knuckleheads, Stephanie. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think every human being yeah. Um, yeah. are knuckleheads at some point. You know, that's, yeah. it, but a fool, to me, a fool is not a knucklehead. A fool is someone, you know, a knucklehead, Yes. When you're an adult and you're, you know, I've had cars a couple times this week. If I hadn't been a good driver, not that I'm a good driver all the time, but I'm just saying if I hadn't been alert, I would have been in accidents a couple times this week because of knuckleheaded drivers. By the time you're driving a vehicle, can I just say by the time you're driving a vehicle, you should be mature enough to drive the vehicle. I'm just saying. Okay. Period. So, yeah. Yes, that I'm makes you a knucklehead. But when I look at this verse, this isn't a knucklehead. This is this is someone who has willfully turned their back on God. Yeah. On the precepts of his word, on the truth that was taught to them by, you know, this is the fool. This kind of fool is the one who can have a father and a mother who did their best. Okay, they weren't perfect, but they weren't hypocrites. They right. weren't right. They weren't out to be to be narcissists. But this son, this daughter, turns on his parents, treats them, curses them, you know, treats them like dirt, all while keeping such a glowing, I'm I'm this perfect child. I'm the one who's, you know, who suffered here. And this is the son who God talks about, you know your life's going to be shortened if you don't cut this out. Actually, God doesn't even give them a chance. He just says, if you do this, your life's shortened. Um, 
And, you know, I think it's time that we start taking God at his word and start when, you know, we see these things happen, we need God to show himself God to our children so that they will see there is a consequence for sin like this. Yeah. And so, um, because this is very serious, you know, when you, I, when I was a kid and I read verses like this, it almost made me cry because the thought of being a grief to my mother or bitterness or, you know, grief to my father or bitterness to my mother, that broke my heart to even think of possibly doing something like that. And if you have a son or a daughter where the thought of doing this doesn't bother them, that is terrifying. Absolutely. And I, I, I think you're right. And uh, hey, folks, listen, we're going to take one minute and just go ahead and grab this message from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Yeah, I, you know, I think, Stephanie, that is a terrifying thing, and it, it continues to build off. You know, we have to take that opportunity to do the right thing, to act the right way, to say the right thing. And and uh, I think 25 really talked to us that, you know, if you're foolish, man, it messes up your family, your parents. There's a price you pay because of that, and and the, there's a price that your family pays. And in verse mm-hmm. number 26, it says, Also to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for equity. And uh, so, you know, as we look at that, and as we talk about this verse, I, I think there's a, I think, uh, you know, there are people out there that want to punish the righteous for things they haven't done. Maybe that's a way to look at it. You know, we morally, mm-hmm. God gives us morals, he gives us his morals, his righteousness. So, so righteousness should be rewarded, I think is what it's saying there. It should, it, it, it should be rewarded. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then nor should we, if a leader's upright, he should never be punished. So this verse is dealing with punishing people wrongly, striking people wrongly, going against people wrongly. I mean, that's what I'm seeing here is this, you know, why are we punishing people who are doing the right thing? Boy, we see it in government today, Stephanie, you know, yeah. uh, they, they're trying to make bad look good and good look bad and upside yeah. down and shake our entire foundation as human beings and morality and things of that nature but god's word reminds us that good is good and uh and people shouldn't be punished because of that yeah well and i i, I think of the verse here that jesus said woe to them that call evil good and good evil and that's what i see here is when and when you when you call those who are good the evil ones yeah i mean that is that is the essence of satan it is satanic it is satanism when the just are the ones who are judged. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's when, you know, that's why Stephanie, you know, we as people, especially the American people who are used to freedom, who are used to write things and stuff that we stop and go, what's this all about? You know, mm-hmm. why, why are we mad at people who are doing a good thing? And why are we letting yeah. people think? But again, wisdom comes from God. So if we get this, if we're able to be turned upside down, it's because we're not walking with God, because we're not communing with God. It's because we're not living with God. It's because, you know, so if somebody can gaslight us, turn us upside down as a nation, if somebody can get us to believe that our foundations are completely wrong, that immorality is okay, that and, and I could go on and on. We, we all know what I'm talking about here. If somebody can shake that foundation and shake our foundation that we no longer live for God. 
That's just yeah. the reality of what's going on here. And that's what uh, the devil is trying to do. That's, that's how the devil operates. And, and, and I, and I got to tell you, Stephanie, I've seen, especially in the last four or five years, six years, 10 years, 12 years, you could go every year of my life, <clears throat> you know, you can go back to 2009 uh, through 2012, the banking scams, all the different scams, the you know, <clears throat> the, uh, the prevalence of more and more abortions, those types of things happen in 11, 12, 13, 14. Uh, uh, you know, a governor of the state of Virginia saying you can have a baby born, pull it out, look at it, see if you don't like it. If you don't, we'll just go ahead and euthanize it for you. There's so much craziness that's going on. And, uh, and, and, and this is what happens. This is, you know, and then we're punishing the righteous who are saying, Hey, this shouldn't be going on. These are human beings. Mm -hmm. This is a real life. This is the way we live. I mean, don't we reach a point where we say we've had enough? Yeah. And Christians should have reached that point a long time ago. And, um, you know, I honestly, I get fed up when I hear the younger generation slammed as the one who, you know, no, the older generations dropped the ball. They got so focused, and, and I say this in all love, but a lot of good Christians got so focused on the outward that they forgot what was important. And that was loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the key word being love. And if we loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we wouldn't be having the abortion fight we're having now. It would have been fought 30 years ago but it wasn't fought 30 years ago. And so let, instead of blaming the younger generation, how about we set the example for the younger generation by saying we messed up big time. Well, and, and the truth and be told. fighting it now. Yeah. Start fighting it. Lead the charge. You know, it's our, example. Yeah, yeah. It's our greatest generation that did this to us. I mean, we're talking about something that happened in 1970, 71, and that they worked on through the 60s. We're talking about people that were that fought in World War II, that that kept our country alive. That uh, you know, I'm always quick to remind people: can kids be more of a knucklehead today? Yeah, their parents can be more of a knucklehead too. But there's a lot of great ones out there, and uh, I I just think going back to this, you know, understanding what's going on and or trying to understand that we punish the good. We, uh, we, we punish and, and the leaders. Older, a lot of the older generation are the ones in leadership punishing the good right now. And so yeah. that's, yeah, that's why I say. Yeah. we got an 80 year old president who'll be 80 in a couple months. We have, uh, it's, it's time to challenge. It's yeah. time to challenge the young people by setting the example of it's my, it's my generation's job. Those of us in our thirties to spur the ones under us to go further, to be more courageous, to be more diligent, to be more, um, to be better soldiers of the cross. And it's the forties, you know, those in their forties and fifties job to challenge my generation and those that are in their seventies and eighties to challenge those in their forties and fifties. And the idea is that we are all building each other up and we become this wall of defense for each other. So instead of blaming and saying, well, you younger people just need to get your act together because that's what I hear all the time. Now, how about the older people? Let's get our act together and let's set the example of being Daniels and Esther's and David's and Deborah's and Joshua's and Caleb's and lead the charge ourselves against. And there are people rising up to that. And I'm so encouraged by the younger. There are a lot of younger 
in politics. There's some, you know, some conservative young people coming up saying enough is enough. And I praise God for that. And so to those older people out there who have become so complacent and liberal and, and evil in their thinking, it's time, it's time to say, okay, we're done with that generation. Our time is now. God put us here for such a time as this and for these kinds of things to stop, for them to be halted, to, for them to be, to be pushed back against where, where the just, where just and good are judged as evil. For that to stop, we've got to rise up and say in prayer, first of all, but rise up and say, no, Satan, you're not having the victory here. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, this is very important. Exactly. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we're, I think we can all see that we have responsibility here uh, on earth. We have responsibility, uh, not necessarily, uh, we do have responsibility to our government, but that's not necessarily the big thing. We have responsibility to God and what's right and what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And, and, uh, I think, I think we covered that really well. Thank you. And, but Stephanie, I, I want to, and I'm glad you said that. I think we're all challenged to help the generation below us, but I, I was just thinking, Stephanie, we got like a minute and a half left. Talk to us a little bit about what your guilt looked like. We started this uh, podcast off or, or this radio show off with a, a thing on guilt. Talk to us a little bit about what guilt looks like in your life with PTSD. Oh my, well, it, it would depend on what aspect of guilt you're wanting me to talk about. Um, I would say on a whole, my guilt very much as far as from the abuse perspective, I would have dealt with kind of, you know, there was a lot of, I had, I dealt with a lot of accusations that were thrown at me on a weekly basis. Okay. Um, easily weekly basis. Things were thrown at me and looking back, Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> I know I, God's grace was there on levels I didn't comprehend in those days. Um, and I also know a lot of damage was done. Um, but I dealt with guilt over, I mean, I was called poison, mm. literally called poison. And so I dealt with that guilt of seeking God, begging him in the middle of the night for help to be the right wife, the right mother, the right sister-in-law, the right daughter-in-law, all these, all the pastor's wife, all those rules I was trying to fill. I'm begging God for his mercy, for his help, for his forgiveness, because surely there's something so evil in me. I must be evil to be called poison, to be called things like that regularly. There, I must be evil. And so I would be left in pieces going before God, begging him for forgiveness for, I don't even know what, you know what I'm saying? Literally, I would go to God and say, God, I, I please forgive me for whatever I'm doing because I have to be doing something that's so evil Yeah. that this is being said about me. And so that, that sense of condemnation that would leave me utterly hopeless because I couldn't figure out what I was doing that was so wrong that I was doing these things, you know, because that becomes your reality. When those accusations are thrown at you long enough, it's like, well, they, I have to be doing this. And again, we come back to the gaslighting. Oh, thing, yeah. Yeah. You it's become the change in the foundation. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a few seconds and, left, but I, I, I think. So yeah, that's huge. That was, that was a huge. And then obviously Charles' death is an easy one to understand. 
Um, yeah, due to that. Yeah. And we're going to, we'll, we'll come back and talk about this a little bit tomorrow. As you know, we're, we have some constraints for radio stations, but we sure do love you folks. If we can do anything to help you, please let us know. Contact us on the Helpful Wounded Facebook page. And if you want to talk retreat, you want to talk everything uh, uh, Wounded Spirits, I'd love to do that. Just send me an email at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. We sure do love you folks. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.